What's going on, family? Thank you for joining me for another episode of Ascension Radio. This is Mateo. You're tuning into episode number 11. Um, you know, I want to give a big shout out to everybody who has been sticking through with these podcasts, listening intently, sending me questions. You know, I uh, I do this a lot for other people that are seeking knowledge and seeking responses and seeking kind of an alternate way aside from the one that we've been kind of forced into or has been imposed on us but I also do it a lot for myself Um, you know I read a lot and I do a lot of research and I talk to a lot of people but oftentimes it's not until you can actually explain some of these things to others that you really have them down packed enough for you to inscribe them into daily practice and you know as much as I try to be as practical with spirituality so that those that don't follow spirituality can still benefit from this radio and benefit from these episodes at the end of the day you know this is all spiritual information that the seeker of truth or seeker of knowledge can take in and really enhance their spiritual practice because I'm a big believer that if your spirituality isn't practical if it's just kind of love and light nonsense just kind of saying affirmations and smiling and pretending everything is okay Um, that's not practical and I really genuinely don't think that's going to lead anybody anywhere productive Um, you know spirituality isn't something that you can necessarily fake it till you make it it takes daily practice it takes meditation it takes mantras it takes chanting it takes prayer Um, you know and and like I said I try to make it as practical as possible for even those that don't um, believe to be able to use it in their regular lives and to get a deeper understanding perhaps of things that they might have misconceptions of. So I had mentioned before uh, that episode 11 was going to be on um, spirituality and the parallels and differences between modern psychology and how ancient psychology was taught and the spirituality that we have now. And so, um, you know, I wanted to get as much information uh, through in this short episode that I'm going to give you guys in terms of, you know, what, what is being taught spiritually is not that far apart from what was taught in the past as psychology and what is even taught today as psychology. Um, as many of you guys know, I got a degree in psychology um, and I'm getting my master's in industrial organizational psychology. Uh, however, I do feel that the psychology of today has been gutted of um, a lot of things that, you know, that made it important and powerful um, when it was studied by the Greeks or when it was studied by the Egyptians or the Phoenicians, um, etc. So, um, you know, I have a quote here from one of my favorite authors. His name is Carlos Castaneda, and it's from the, a book called The Teachings of Don Juan. And it says, does your path have a heart? If it doesn't, then it is no good. So just, uh, you know, just think about that. If your path has a heart, it's good. If it doesn't, it's no good. Um, and I think that that kind of literally sums up psychology today. Um, psychology today is more so preoccupied with uh, being a byproduct or uh, the right hand of the pharmaceutical industry. Uh, it does not try to alleviate symptoms. It, it, it tries to create... Uh, consumers of pills, of therapy, of programs, self-help books, etc. You name it. 
uh, psychology has become as deeply enrooted in capitalism as pretty much every other aspect of our lives has. And so in doing so has lost the heart that it had, um, you know, back in the ancient times when, you know, the ancestors were practicing these things and, you know, we're, we're kind of looking at it from the scope of that heart of understanding that, that there was a deeper science behind what we can observe, that there is only so much that our senses can give us. And psychology today is based off of simple observation. It is literally, um, what can you observe? Um, you know, most studies won't be valid if you can't prove in an experimental design that you can observe the behavior, even if it's there and everybody feels it. If you can't observe it and it's not measurable, it's basically tossed aside as pseudoscience. And our ancestors knew better than that. Our ancestors knew that our senses are limited and we cannot depend solely on the senses to know the reality of the world. Um, you know, an example I always give of two senses are, you know, eyesight. We see very, very limited um, in terms of the actual spectrum of light that's out there. We see a very, very small fraction of it. Um, if we could see it all, we would probably be overwhelmed but that doesn't mean that there isn't more to what we can see. Um, so if you just rely on eyesight to create what you think is quote unquote reality, you're going to be missing a huge chunk of that puzzle. Same goes with hearing. Okay. We only hear certain decibels. We don't have the capacity of hearing, for example, what a dog can hear, or, you know, for example, using sonar, what, what dolphins and whales can hear in terms of, you know, that kind of uh, organ, that sense organ. And so, um, you know, it, I feel that psychology immediately is at a loss in trying to justify that if we can't see it, we shouldn't study it. Uh, because I think that they're missing, um, you know, a huge part. Um, I believe it was Carl Jung, um, the one who said this. I could be wrong, but he said that the day that science starts actually studying um, you know, metaphysical mysticism and kind of um, those kind of taboos in a serious manner is the day that human knowledge will jump by leaps. Uh, it will increase exponentially because there's so much hidden in those things that we don't understand. And that's why we don't understand them because we disregard them simply because the science that we have today uh, cannot account for them. So, um, you know, kind of just like a quick summary, you know, psychology and spirituality, they're both frameworks that we use to kind of view, uh, to seek and understand uh, the truth about the world. Um, whereas spirituality is more open to those unseen things and is more uh, welcoming of, of explanations that maybe don't make sense to the rational mind. Uh, psychology is all about that rational aspect. It's all about that, um, you know, can we scientifically break this down? Um, and that's modern psychology. Again, ancient psychology was not interested um, in, in, in putting, you know, the, 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 the mind or the soul in a box and saying, can we study it? It understood that it was something beyond comprehension. And so they studied it as such. They came into it with humility of saying, you know, we don't know everything. And so we cannot disregard or, or, or add on things when we don't know everything. Um, so old times, psychology, um, you know, it was a Greek word. It literally meant psyche and ology. Psyche meaning uh, soul. At times, it was actually translated as breath and study of, which is ology. Um, again, it was a study of the soul. It was a study of something that, that you know, you can't necessarily... Um, 
you know, see the breath going in and out of somebody. You can see the organs reacting to the breath, but you can't see the breath. You can't see the wind. You can't see the prana, the chi entering, you know, through the lungs and, and, and kind of being sent around the body to give us the energy that we have. Um, you know, as a matter of fact, psyche being a Greek word, spiritus uh, being a Latin word, and the word atman, which is a Sanskrit word, all three of those mean breath. So inherently, psychology, the study of breath, spirituality, again, the, the kind of expansion of breath, the understanding of breath, and Atman, uh, meaning breath, um, they all rely on that one initial thing, which is breath. Um, you know, I, I always speak to people about this when I say, when you're first born, the first thing you do is take a breath. And when you die, the last thing you do is take your last breath and release that last breath. So that breath, that chi, that prana that you're taking in, you know, that's what the ancients were more concerned about because they recognized that it had nothing to do really with the brain. The brain was merely a receptor of the energy that was coursing through our bodies. Um, they understood that, you know, that we needed to study the entire system of energy that was us, that created us. They understood that the body was a vessel that was operating um, out, off of some energy that we could not visibly see and yet it was there. You know, I always give the example of somebody who's in a coma. You know, they can be brain dead, but they're still alive. Their heart is still bumping. They're still breathing. They're still receiving that chi. Uh, even if it is in lower amounts, that's still what's keeping them alive. The spirit is still there. The soul is still there. That energy is still there. Um, you know, and at the end of the day, nowadays, psychology, um, you know, it removes that. It doesn't really bother with asking the questions like that of, you know, why is it that people can still, um, you know, have consciousness when, when they, when they, when they're in comas, um, you know, for them, again, it's kind of just the result of neurotransmitters and the results of, um, you know, chemical chemicals in the brain reacting in certain ways that are keeping this person alive. Um, you know, they don't, they don't consider the soul, um, you know, a, a modern day and a pseudo modern day. Cause he, he wasn't really modern day. He was more like in the sixties, fifties and sixties. Um, I mean, not, not 56, sorry, like 40s and 50s, was Carl Jung. And he was a big believer that psychology needed to actually um, maintain the principles of the soul, maintain the principles of spirit, because he realized that there was not enough in just the scientific world as it was to explain everything that he saw, everything he studied. Um, and so he was a big believer that spirituality and psychology needed to merge in order for there to be a complete view of what we are, of who we are as light beings, as spiritual beings, energy beings. Um, you know, as many of you know, spirituality itself is rooted in oneness. Um, you know, oneness with all that is, everything that exists, we are one with because we are made of very similar things. Um, you know, I, I study shamanism a lot and shamanism, the big belief is that rocks have energy, uh, mountains, rivers, trees, um, you know, even things that you would consider inanimate have a certain energy and, and you can communicate with that energy when you enter into these trance states, um, you know, using your, your third eye and using your, your meditative abilities, using your intuition. Um, you know, when you learn to trust in those things, you start realizing that there's a lot more to the world than we're told. Uh, that there's a lot more out there in terms of, you know, the simplicity that they kind of try to explain the complexity that is life to us. And so, um, you know, that oneness with spirituality, 
um, you know, it leads a lot of spiritual people to have a newfound respect or love for the earth, for ecology, which is the study of ecosystems, the study of earth, the study of nature. And so, in my opinion, the biggest bridge that we have between psychology, um, I mean, excuse me, spirituality and the actual physical sciences is ecology because ecology is starting to study and seeing that everything is connected, that when you remove one animal from, from an ecosystem, it throws off the entire ecosystem, right? That when, you, that when you introduce a predator to an ecosystem, it can wipe out entire other ecosystems of other animals, plants, etc., so it, it is kind of alluding to that oneness. Uh, you know, the hermitists always believe um, as above, so below. If you look at, you know, ecology in terms of if you throw one thing off balance, everything else is going to be off balance. That's a reflection of the universe at large. Everything happens for a reason. Everything is connected. And so when we look at spirituality and analyze the physical sciences, um, we see that there is evidence there of, of a certain oneness in terms of at least how the gears, quote unquote, of the universe grind, um, you know, with psychology, we, we see things that, that sometimes we can't explain. Um, you know, back in the day I used to work, um, at a transitional housing unit where they used to send people who belonged in mental psych, you know, psych wards or mental hospitals that the government couldn't pay for anymore. They would send them to these communities where they were basically sent there to spend the rest of their lives. They weren't, it's, it's called the transitional housing unit because you're supposed to help them get you know, initiated back into society, but some of these people were not getting out, and we knew that, and they kind of knew that, and some of the things you heard and saw there um, transcended beyond being able to just give somebody pills. Sure, you can give pills to sedate someone, but if you're not studying the phenomenon that's going on in their mind, how they're able to perceive certain things, how they're able to know certain things, you're missing out on the actual point of why that phenomenon is present. Um, you know, spirituality addresses those phenomena and they have certain explanations for it. Call it demons, call it dark energy, call it negative energy, uh, call it karma, call it whatever you want to call it. But at least, um, you know, spirituality seeks to provide some type of explanation or answers, whereas psychology sees it as a symptom that needs to be treated. Um, that if you're not normal, quote unquote, then you need pills, you need some type of therapy. Uh, there is no you healing yourself. There is no realignment. There is no uh, type of, you know, you being able to do the work. Um, so based off of that, again, you remove almost the heart, the empathy from psychology, um, whereas spirituality seeks to understand and heal. Psychology seeks to label, classify, and then kind of numb. Uh, you know, it's it, people who have schizophrenia. These were people that were considered shamans back in the day. These were people that were considered mystics back in the day. Nowadays, everybody dismisses them as, wow, you know, they're, they're crazy. They, they don't know what they're talking about. They're just seeing things. How do you know that what they're seeing isn't real? How do you know that what they're seeing or what they're picking up on isn't something that exists somewhere else that is out of our understanding because of the way that we view the world today? Um, you know, again, it was kind of like everybody agreed that that's how it was going to be. And then everybody kind of stopped questioning it. And that's the biggest problem with today's society is that it, it turns people into um, people who just kind of accept things. They don't question it. A uh, figure of authority says something and everybody swallows the pill. Everybody takes it and everybody is okay with it. And that's the problem with psychology, in my opinion, nowadays. Again, mind you, I have a degree in psychology. I studied all of this. And I'm coming from a point of having studied it and seeing that it is lacking in a lot of aspects. Um, the problem with that is, again, there is no heart in that path. It's not, it's not teaching you 
anything about oneness. It's not teaching you anything about how we can come together as a species. It's seeking to label people and basically tell them, you know, this is what you're going to live with for the rest of your life. There's no cure to it unless you adhere to, you know, 15 pills a day in the morning, 15 pills a day in the afternoon. Um, and, and, you know, you got to come over here and we can arrest you at any time that you cause any simple disturbance simply because you're labeled with this illness. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's a problem. And again, it's, it's, it's a problem because of the fact that the way that science is viewed today, it doesn't have spirituality in it. Back in the day, all of science was viewed first through a spiritual lens because it was approaching a problem of existence and trying to understand it from a certain aspect of oneness, from understanding that, you know, we may not be the same. And yet I share very similar aspects to crystals. I share very similar aspects to plants. I share very similar aspects to animals. There was no trying to classify. Um, it was more trying to understand, um, you know, one of the greatest things I think that, you know, I'm grateful that I'm living through this time is the fact that right now metaphysicists are confirming a lot of what ancient shamanists, mystics used to say. Um, you know, they're, they're confirming that, they're, that, that, that things are tied across time and space in a way that they shouldn't be, but they are. That, that, that certain things are reacting at, at large distances um, you know, that, that there is, that there needs to be an observer for there to be a reality, that there needs to be, you know, certain things happening for, for certain other things to happen that had we not had this kind of scientific approach, we probably would have never really believed it because that's what the mystics were always saying. You know, the mystics said everything is connected. The mystics were able to mentally astral project and see things that modern day science would dismiss because there's no way that they could prove it. Well, now metaphysicists are coming out and saying, hey, you know what? There's a huge thing missing in our theory. You know, that whole ether thing, that whole dark matter thing. What is it? That's that oneness. That's that uh, female energy, that feminine energy interacting with the masculine energy. Um, you know, again, it's it's just now coming out. But these are things that our ancient ancestors knew that they that they didn't take for granted. And they, you know, they didn't need these fancy tools to see it because they they understood through intuition they they used their heart which is again another brain that we have to to know and they understood they were able to observe what's not observed because they were able to get in states where they they could become one with that kind of knowledge that they could remember because in my opinion we have all the knowledge in the world inside of us it's just a matter of remembering it it's a matter of recalling this knowledge and understanding it so again, um, you know, just uh, similarities at this point between psychology and spirituality. Um, one of the biggest ones that I kind of want to focus this on, just because I know that if I go into depth of some of the other things, I'm going to lose a couple of people because, you know, this is kind of like more uh, advanced in terms of it takes a lot of rereading and reading certain books for you to get it. But everybody knows the chakras, you know, everybody nowadays, that's like the cool thing. Everybody wants to, you know, cleanse their chakras. Everybody wants to align their chakras. Everybody's getting tattoos of the lotus flower, the third eye, all of that. Well, you know, in psychology, um, they teach us all of that. They just don't call it the chakra system. Okay. They call it the glandular system. They call it, um, you know, the reproductive glands, the adrenal glands, the thymus, the thyroid, um, you know. There's seven chakras and, you know, there's also seven, there's five glands, but there's seven organs that act as, um, you know, as, as glands that, that, that secrete things that control certain aspects of our bodies. 
Um, so the root chakra, uh, which again is kind of considered, you know, down in the in the reproductive glands, testes in men, the ovaries in women. Um, that's the reproductive glands, you know, that controls sexual development and it secretes sex hormones. The root chakra is kind of our chakra that tells us that we don't need to be afraid. It's what controls kind of the fear of being, of living. Um, you know, it's it's kind of involved in that feeling safe in your environment. Um, you know, when you have an unbalanced root chakra, you are very anxious. You're very afraid. Um, you don't feel uh, that, you, that you have a safe enough environment to be able to move on to higher planes of existence. And so you kind of live in fear at all times. Um, the, the next chakra, the sacral chakra, which is about three or two inches below the belly button. Um, I mean, th- uh, three inches above the belly button, excuse me. Um, that's the adrenal glands. That's where adrenaline is produced. That, you know, those those glands regulate the emotion, uh, the immune system and they regulate our metabolism. Uh, the sacral chakra, chakra is all about self-confidence. It's all about kind of, um, you know, being able to express yourself truly, um, even if it's just mentally, just being able to be yourself, to know that you, that you can contribute to this world, that you're here for a reason. Um, you know, the, the third chakra is the solar plexus chakra, and that is the pancreas that regulates our metabolism. Um, you know, these are all located in very, very, very similar places in the body. And all these glands, you know, uh, they have an effect on us. When there is a blockage in the chakra, there is a physical ailment that, that kind of manifests itself. And the way it manifests itself is through these glands that pick up on the energy of these chakras. Um, you know, the heart chakra that's the thymus gland. It regulates our immune system. And, um, you know, I mean, I'm sorry, uh, it regulates the immune system and it also regulates kind of the, the emotional second brain that we have in the heart, because we have three brains, the brain, the heart brain, and the gut brain. Um, you know, the heart chakra, that's the thymus gland regulates the immune system, regulates kind of that emotional center of the heart. Um, again, you know, the heart chakra is all about us being able to live through love, live in love, live um, lovingly to understand that everything can be resolved in love. If we're able to keep ourselves a grip to that, um, you know, when we have that blocked, you know, we're always kind of ready to resent. We're always ready to, to feel like we're going to be betrayed because, because we don't give into that power of that love and, and things like that. Um, the throat chakra, which is the fifth chakra that belongs to the thyroid gland that regulates body temperature and metabolism. Um, you know, when, when, when those things are blocked, when the throat chakra, the throat chakra is blocked, um, you know, that's when people lie. That's when people don't sing enough. That's when people hold their tongue, when they don't speak their truth. Um, you know, all of those things can manifest as illness, especially stress and anxiety and even depression, because we're basically keeping to ourselves, uh, this great energy that we have. You know, um, I always tell people when you, when you clear the throat chakra, I find that extremely powerful because it's one of the only things in our body that literally vibrates as we use it like willingly in other words we can literally create vibrations through our throat you know those those little strings that vibrate um that is creating vibrations and so if we believe that this is a vibratory universe a vibratory universe then we have to understand that that the throat chakra is incredibly important when it comes to spelling, when it comes to, you know, if people believe in magic, if people believe in cursing, all of these things affect 
your throat chakra because they're going through that. And so you have to be very careful, um, you know, with the words that you say, with how you say it, with lies you tell, because that's going to create blockages there. And that's going to, you know, manifest as, as ailments, as illnesses. Uh, the sixth chakra is the third eye chakra. Um, so that chakra is actually controlled kind of by two glands. It's the pituitary gland and the pineal gland. Most of you know it as the pineal gland is the one that controls it, but both of them kind of go hand in hand with this. The pituitary gland, it produces hormones and it governs the functions of all the other five glands that I spoke about. Um, pretty much, this is like a, a gland that that is a master gland. It kind of directs the other glands in terms of, okay, well, what are we going to do? And that makes sense because the third eye chakra, um, the third eye itself, it uses all five senses of the body and it superimposes itself on those senses to give us an almost intuitive view of the world. When you open up your third eye, when you start listening to your intuition, you start seeing, hearing, feeling, and kind of understanding things that aren't there, but you know they are there because that that chakra is superimposing on those other five senses, the same way that the pituitary gland superimposes itself on the other five glands that I mentioned before. Um, you know, the third eye chakra, obviously it's one of my favorites because I feel that when I got to the point where I could open my third eye and I opened it, I did begin to see the world extremely drastically different. I began to see things and and, and kind of understand things on a whole different plane that before I was overlooking because I was I had it blocked. I, I, I was only living in the five senses. I was only living in the third dimensional kind of reality. I wasn't looking at patterns. I wasn't looking to recognize things beyond what was right in front of me. Um, and the final chakra, the crown chakra, it's the seventh chakra, that one is governed by the pineal gland. And the pineal gland, it regulates biological cycles, including sleep. Uh, the pineal gland is also uh, a gland that produces DMT, which is what allows us to dream. Um, I haven't done an episode on dreaming. I hope to do one very soon because I have a lot of things to say about dreaming. I think that calling dreaming dreaming is doing it a complete underhanded slap to the face because of the amount of power behind our dreams. And so that crown chakra being... Uh, governed by that pineal gland makes sense because that's our connection to the divine that's our connection to this divine knowledge that's out there um you know whether you're christian catholic jewish uh whether you believe in islam uh, whatever that connection to, to that god that you believe in that connection comes from the crown chakra and is found in the pineal gland uh the pineal gland is is known as the eye of horus if you look at the eye of horus and you look at the uh kind of dissected view of the pineal gland it is the same exact thing that was the symbol that they put forth to explain to us how important this gland was uh in terms of our connection to the divine and our connection with with the one source that we all stem from um so yeah pretty much i mean that's all i really wanted to touch on for today i don't want to bore you guys too much i try to keep these episodes you know between 20 minutes to 25 minutes i went over on this one but i just felt like there was a lot that i could say i would love to take questions uh from you guys once you hear this episode if any of this kind of struck you as like oh wow this made me remember something or hey this resonated with me trust me i'll take the time uh you know to to get on my dms and answer as many questions as i can um, I haven't decided yet what the next episode will be, but it will be for next week. Um, if you guys want to help me out and suggest anything that you want to kind of shed some light on, again, I would really appreciate it for the simple fact that when I do these things, I'm remembering and reminding myself 
I'm, I'm you know, reaffirming my knowledge and, and kind of brushing up again on things that I've been studying for a while now. So, you know, I would really appreciate it if you guys gave me feedback on that. Thank you to everybody who saw the last episode. Hopefully you guys like this one as well. Thanks, like I said, as always, for tuning into Ascension Radio. This is Mateo. Much love, family. I say.